another episode of Financial Therapy. Uh, so we have a very special guest with us today, uh, Ms. Lauren Brockett. Hey. <laughs> hey. Uh, so, wow. Lauren, uh, so we have a theme here, uh, financial therapy. We sort of touch on subjects that are near and dear to uh, people, and we try to relate those uh, those themes or subjects to, to finance and how they play a role. Mm-hmm. Uh, I guess I was looking into your uh, background a little bit here. Uh, we also have a Georgia native. Yeah, you can call me a Georgia native now. Okay, okay. I think so, yeah. No matter where you're from. (laughs) (laughs) Tell us a little bit about uh, where Lauren Brockett is from. Tell us a little bit about Mm -hmm. the suburb life growing up in Georgia. Uh, Also curious, where'd you go to high school? Mm -hmm. Yeah, sure. So I was born in uh, London, England, and um, my family history is a bit unique because my mother grew up in um, South India, and she uh, emigrated uh, to the UK in the 70s. So she was really young, and um, my father was born and raised in Kingston, Jamaica, and then he emigrated to the UK because obviously in Great Britain, they opened up the work visas in the 60s and 70s, right, for uh, the the colonies to be able to help build. Um, And so both families emigrated there, grew up in London. Um, My father met my mother by just she was walking down the street one day and he just picked her up. <laughs> so he, he spit that Jamaican game and it just worked well. Smooth Casanova. Um, but uh, yeah, they, um, so they met and fell in love. And so I, I was I was born in the 80s. I'm an 80s baby. Hey. And, um, I grew up in London until I was eight years old. And then we emigrated to the, to, to the U.S. Because my mother, um, she actually passed a nursing... Um, uh, it was a, a test for for nurses to be able to receive um, work visas. So again, it was another work opportunity. Um, and so I come from just a lineage of, of culture um, and culture is really integrating into a new, co- new culture. For me, um, I definitely always consider myself to be a dual citizen. I mean, I actually am uh, technically a dual citizen, but... I did grow up in a in a household that really embraced the the British culture, um, but definitely I think my experience has been unique. I grew up in Gwinnett County um, and went to went to high school at Shiloh. Um, so if anyone's familiar with Snellville, where everybody's somebody, um, <laughs> that's, that's where I grew up. That's the slogan for Snellville, um, and lived in North Atlanta for for most of my life. Um, and so, yeah, that's that's my background. But um, certainly, if I had to call, what would I consider community? I grew up in um, heavy Caribbean community. Mm-hmm. A lot of my friends were Caribbean. That was my my life, my social life, uh, more than my Indian side. Uh, and then uh, I can share a bit more. But ultimately, I was um, now I'm now very actively involved in, in the faith community in Atlanta. And so. I consider the, the my sister is my my community. You know? Okay. So I know who that is. 
Uh, Laura, tell me, so I know that uh, I definitely super curious about uh, your perspective uh, growing up uh, to the, the age of eight in the UK uh, and what your experience of America has been uh, since mm-hmm. you've been here. Uh, I know uh, from international travels, it always seems to be a different uh, kind of perspective uh, when you've grown up or at least spent some time in a different place before moving to another country. So I'm curious to hear what uh, your thoughts are on that. Yeah. So there's a couple of different lenses I can think through. Um, I always heard my mom say, you know, hey, we couldn't really afford to live in the UK. Um, we were living in um, a place called Crystal Palace and it was, it was, a, it was a suburb of, of England. Um, but still within the metropolitan um, London area. And um, I just think, I think you have, I mean, the economic insecurity there is for, for people of color is, is quite vast. And so um, we definitely, I always heard her say, really, we, we really couldn't afford to live there. And so being able to transfer into a nursing program in the UK, in the US here, um, you know, we, we, we lived a pretty moderate, I mean, I would say we were pretty middle class in, in Georgia. So we had a, a fairly, you know, like a three, four bedroom house. And, um, you know, we, we were always tight on money. You know, I, I always grew up with, you know, hey, you, maybe we go out to eat for a special occasion, but it's not a norm. Um, you know, I was always, you know, pretty, wasn't well, well dressed. I didn't have designer clothes, you know, so I was, I was fairly... Um, humble, you know, as, as a child. Um, so I think about economic means when I think about culture. Hmm. And um, a lot of who I resonated with were people who, you know, were also in a humble position. Um, I also think about uh, what community is called. And, I, and for us in the British culture, it's a lot more um, you know, you keep to yourself, keep your business quiet. Um, you know, you don't, whereas in America, I think it's a lot more open people, people call, you know, your family, you don't necessarily have to be blood related to call family, family, right? Like, oh, you know, my neighbor that I've known for 15 years, that's like my cousin, you know, or my sister or my, or my auntie, you know, and so that type of culture we I didn't really understand until I got a little bit older and recognized that you know my my friends were for me just as much as my family was you know mm. um, we we grew up in a really kind of isolated um, situation because I think with the British culture that's just you just don't tell a lot of people your business you keep 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 to yourself keep calm and collected right yeah. Um, as well as just, yeah, emotional, you know, you don't really air your emotion. And so when I think about the civil rights movement in Atlanta and I think about, you know, social justice, you know, all of that, I didn't really quite understand it until I got older and actually experienced, you know, my own form of, of uh, discrimination, my own form of um, just exclusion, you know, mm-hmm. from the majority. And so that's been a really interesting thing that I've had to learn First, first experience, and then as well as just a lot of more research, I've been able to get get access to a lot more of the Black experience. Right, because I'm a person. Of, I'm both mixed race. I'm also. I when someone looks at me, they're like, "Yeah, you're a Black woman." And so for me, it's about how do I how do I learn the empathy 
that I can have for others. Learn. Because ultimately we are all connected together in some way. Um, but we have to understand each other in order to really be in community. Hmm. Thank you for sharing that. I, so that, I take it, is that that feeling of, of community, uh, the experience of having, you know, traveled at a young age, did that lead you into uh, your next phase of life? I, I know you went to Emory and after... Uh, school, uh, you sort of made a shift as far as what you wanted to do uh, with with your life uh, from a career perspective. Could you, I guess, shed some light into uh, after you're coming out of high school, shout out to Snailville, <laughs> and uh, you're going into Emory, uh, what, did you always know what you were going to study, what you were going to major in, uh, or did you have an experience there that sort of helped to build uh, on some of your earlier experiences? Uh, toward the path that you embark now. Yeah. Yeah, I remember at Emory, um, <clears throat> it was, I was a lot more quantitative. And so I really enjoyed math. So I would study, um, and I found macroeconomics was uh, one of my favorite subjects. And so I ended up majoring in econ um, and leaned a lot heavier towards developmental economics because. With a global experience and exposure, I was naturally curious, you know, one, like selfishly, how can I travel? Because I, I don't want to live. I didn't want to live in Georgia all my life. You know, I wanted to be able to get out. But I also had a heavy burden and a heart for um, for people who um, just didn't have access to to capital. I didn't understand poverty. Um, I didn't understand unemployment, but I had I had witnessed it. Um, you know, I'd seen my father uh, struggle as a black man in, in, in Savannah, Georgia, where we first moved to find a job. Um, he, he was an engineer in the UK and then emigrating to the US, couldn't find an opportunity. Um, and so it took him maybe three or four years to really land a good job working at Emory. And that's how I was um, grateful enough to be able to get um, a courtesy tuition there. Um, and so all of those things are running through my mind, culture. Mm international development, economics, um, and, and inclusion for, for minorities. And that's what led me to do macroeconomics as a major. And then I also studied sociology. Um, what, I, what I thought through was, you know, I was gonna be um, in consulting in some form or fashion. My first experience professionally was working at the EEOC. And that was a huge awakening for me because I was using my economics degree to study systemic um, racism and discrimination in corporations. And that was interesting because we had to develop a probability um, statistical analysis on, um, on how companies were um, pu putting preventative measures into, into hiring people of color, um, uh, people of the different age groups. And so there was data behind the injustice. And that was awesome. Um, and so that opened my eyes. And I, and I told my supervisor, I said, how can I find a career in being able to support the employees of a particular company. And he said, well, human resources is really your way to go. So I spent a lot of my time finding HR opportunities in undergrad. Um, a lot of them were unpaid because it was internships. Um, but you know, I, I, I was drawn more towards the people side of HR, the, um, 
the strategic direction of what companies could take to be able to you know grow employment for for people of color um and so my thought was oh global hr uh i ended up finding um a bible study this is a really quite crazy situation that happened i ended up um in my dorm finding uh, a bible study and i ended up um recognizing that God was calling me closer to himself. And mm. I thought, well, oh my goodness, this now I've changed my whole concept what, of what, who I am, um, who I thought I was. Um, one of the first things he asked me to do was to um, break up with my boyfriend that I had for four years. Um, and that was one of the biggest uh, eye openers for me because that was my first experience in actually hearing the voice of God. So I dedicated my life to Jesus. And after that point, it was all, it was all up from there. Um, You know, I I gave up all of my dreams of being a consultant and being an HR. And I just said, God, I give you my life. I ask you to guide me. And he paved the path for me to work at uh, um, uh, organize or Habitat for Humanity. And ironically, the opportunity was under the global HR team. So, mm-hmm. you know, he did lead me directly into what I, what I was thinking I was going to be doing, but in a really interesting way. So oh. um, I, I worked in, in, in Habitat for Humanity for a few years. Only do and it. then um, I asked God again, I, put, I had my face to the ground and I said, Lord, guide me and show me because the contract that I have with, friend, with Habitat for Humanity is ending soon. And he said, he, he put um, the word refugee in my mind when I was writing, I was journaling and in prayer one day. And said, okay, this is interesting. I don't really know who refugees are, but I'm open. And, you know, maybe, maybe this is a path to being a missionary. Um, and so I ended up doing some research, contacted a friend from Emory who, works with, who worked with refugee populations at the time. And she referred me to a volunteer opportunity. Um, and I was, I was a contractor and my contract was ending. And I was like, oh gosh, another, unim- another unpaid opportunity. I don't know if I can do this, you know? Yeah. <laughs> but I took, a, I took a leap of faith and ended up mm. working um, as a volunteer for an organization called Friends of Refugees in Clarkston. Mm. And so that was a pivotal moment in my career because I took a risk of working for a nonprofit that really didn't have a lot of money, um, uh, a heavy budget, but I just felt called by the Lord to work for a minority group that was struggling to find employment. And so two things connected together. I knew how to, how to craft resumes um, because I had spent so much time in human resources and leadership development at Habitat for Humanity. And so I used my skill set that I've gained in my professional life to serve the most vulnerable in my own backyard. Because um, in Snellville, it's only 15 minutes away from thousands of refugees that are resettled in Atlanta in in a small community called Clarkston. Mm. So yeah, I, I said, you know, maybe God is not calling me to be a global missionary. Maybe he's calling me to be a local missionary right here in my own neighborhood. And so that's, that is what led me to work with refugee populations. And I worked there for six years, had no idea my obedience 
to him was going to lead me to being a, a leader in the community. And I've, uh, I was able to help thousands of refugees find employment. Um, and so I used everything that I gained from my HR background to develop the, the nonprofit. Um, and yeah, that's, that's my journey from, I think, from Emory to my career. Um, and would love to share even more, like now that I've transitioned out of Friends of Refugees, I'm working for a global NGO. And so recently, over three months ago, I uh, took a big leap of faith to actually work for one of the largest NGOs that serves refugees around the world, Care International. And so, yeah, that's that's kind of where where I am at this point. So you were born to be international. That's right. Take it. Absolutely. I I, I saw uh, something on your site uh, said uh, global goals, local work. Uh, I thought that was a very powerful statement. Yeah. Uh, so. You transitioned to Care International. Uh, I share with with us uh, a little bit what you do there and um, what your vision uh, is going forward. Mm-hmm. Absolutely, yeah. So Global Goals, Care International has um, served 440,000 um, groups. And these are individuals who have predominantly had a very difficult life, but they have joined together into what we call a savings group. A lot of people have different names for it, microfinance, lending circles, um, but ultimately it's a village savings and loan group. And uh, I was very intrigued to see this phenomenon of um, local communities in different countries binding their fi- binding together circulating their finances amongst each other um, and making change in their neighborhood and so through through my experience with friends of refugees i did recognize we did host financial literacy classes um, and we we brought in guest speakers to come and talk um, but we weren't really moving the needle forward for refugees in Atlanta to gain access to uh, capital, to a savings account, um, to really grow their investments, right? Because Mm -hmm. going through a workshop, you're not really, you're going through a one-time, you know, one-hour event. And so I couldn't really crack that needle, but I recognized um, through CARE that the global initiatives they were doing um, with the 400,000 saving and lending groups, they were trying to engage communities in Atlanta. And so there's a pilot program called the uh, Domestic VSLA um, program. And what we're doing is we have an initiative to start 25 local groups in Atlanta to develop a village and savings loan association. Um, What's interesting to me when I think about Atlanta, um, our city has 57% um, African-Americans. And what I've noticed is we're one of the largest cities that has income disparity. Um, What's what's very troubling is that one in four Black Americans um, are utilizing credit, like over 75% of their um, of, of their credit limits. And so we're in a very, very dire situation mm. um, locally in, in the South. Um, when you think of the nation, obviously, 
um, we thought of, we we had to do research on you know what what the economic insecurity looks like for for the average family, and it's baffling to me that sixty three percent of families in America can't come up with five hundred dollars as quick cash to pay for an emergency expense. Mm. And so when you think about the, the national economic insecurity and then you zone in on Atlanta, this is the prime time for us to really be able to bring a global model of a community that circulated funds between each other to lend for the emergency or for a business idea that they have um, and to try and adapt that model to um, to communities right here in the South that are also in need. Um, yeah, so that's what I'm most excited about with this role. And I really believe that we can move the needle forward with, um, with offering you know, a way for communities in the South to be able to grow wealth. I agree, I think that's incredible. I think it's really remarkable. Uh, I know Ian and I, we talk a lot about uh, uh, term what we like to call human life value mm-hmm. and uh, we did a podcast on uh, families and how you can impact families uh, and increase as a family your human life value uh, and we really stressed or you know read a lot of things about ways to bring people together for a positive um, purpose uh, I know that's uh, here but what are there any uh, stories that stick out in your mind uh, regarding one of the groups that came together for the purposes of saving and lending, you know, microfinance, uh, but it turned out to be something even more than just what they initially thought, like an initiative that they, I know you talked about there's certain things that people have invested in uh, to help out their own community and do different things of that nature. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, the, so I started at CARE um, in mid-February, and um, we engaged with a nonprofit called Operation Hope. Um, That was a a class of small business owners or um, uh, individuals who were looking to really start uh, an entrepreneurial idea. And uh, they graduated, they were on, they were, I, I joined when they were going to be conducting their pitch in what they called a shark tank event and um, pretty mm-hmm. awesome. Uh, oh, I was nice. going to be a judge and then COVID happened. <laughs> uh, so oh, we told man. them our, our offices at care international is on Ellis street and we've renovated the third floor for groups to be able to utilize the space. Um, because we believe that local entrepreneurs and uh, local change agents can, all they need is the ability to connect together and a space to be able to host their events. Um, and so we were providing Operation Hope with a space to be able to conduct these classes. And the class was focused on business planning um, and building your money management skills. So the graduates of the class ended up meeting after the class and we talked about developing a savings and lending group. Um, and mm-hmm. that was in February when COVID happened. I know everyone was, um, you know, really just trying to focus on immediate needs and making sure everybody was, was okay. And 
some people lost their jobs. Um, some people lost uh, family members. So it was pretty devastating in February and March. Um, but I continued to engage the groups and or the individuals. And we ended up joining a group together in um, in early May. And it was pretty interesting because the graduates didn't really know each other as well, but they did have a common thread where they all wanted to grab hold of their, of their, ma- their money management skills and to be able mm-hmm. to, to put a little bit to the side for, for an emergency that may come up. Um, so it's been an interesting experience. We've met six, six weeks now um, on a weekly basis uh, for an hour and, What's been really awesome is that they've been able to share a bit more of their their personal story. Um, they've been able to really put diligently a lot of money to the side for the savings group. Um, we have one particular person in the group who is a student from Georgia State, and uh, she's from Yemen. And she said, mm-hmm. Lauren, I just really feel like I need a sense of community here because I'm concerned about traveling back to see my family. I don't really have family here, but I believe that this group is really going to help me um, feel a bit more comfortable while I'm waiting, right, to go back. Um, Uh And so that, I think the sense of relationship that people need in the time like this um, has really been able to, I've been able to see that through the groups. Um, But in terms of, you know, financial performance, like I don't know yet because we just started. Um, but uh, on average, most people are able to put at least 20 to $40 aside uh, for the group on a weekly basis. That's incredible uh, to bring people together. Really, a really good cause. Finance is really important uh, to the way uh, in which we move and to bring that sense of relationship and community together. Uh, we definitely want to say kudos uh, to the effort and we definitely want uh, to see this expand across uh, a nation that really can use more sense of community mm-hmm. uh, in this time. Yeah. Uh, so, Lauren, we we de- we definitely want to thank you uh, for your time. I have a ton more questions. I want to hear. I wanted to hear about what type of music do you enjoy. Uh, a little bit more about uh, if you want to share uh, about your family. Uh, I looked a little bit on your personal page. I hope that's okay. Yeah. And I saw you had themes about mission, uh, married life, wisdom, and veganism. Yeah. Uh, really, uh, you can tell me a little. Bit, tell us a little bit more about that. Uh, what those? What that represents to you? Yeah. Well, I mean, you got to stay healthy in times like like now. Um, being vegan. It's not, it wasn't really as much of a choice. I um, became gluten intolerant in college. And so, um, I mean, yeah, I just, I had to learn kind of through process of elimination. What was the toughest food to give up? Ah, pizza, burgers, you know, college, college kid stuff, Mm. right? Um, (laughs) (laughs) Burgers and fries, I got you. I'm a foodie though. I love food and I love trying new foods. Um, So yeah, right now my favorite food is um, is Ethiopian. Uh, I had a lot mm. of friends through the Clarkston refugee community cook me what's called injera um, and um, tibs, and so you know I, oh, I yes, Sorry. I love Ethiopian culture. 
I look Ethiopian, obviously, because my Indian heritage. And so people always come up to me and say, Betta Sabdinanesh. And, and I'm like, I don't know. I, Dinane, Dinane. Uh, <laughs> which means, how's your family? Um, one, okay. one term I always knew was, Sera Afetigalo. And that means, um, I'm looking for a job. <laughs> <laughs> so there are a couple very I nice. okay, like a lot of different um but family is very important you know my husband supports me and my efforts um and you know has always been a champion and so I believe in mission I believe in you know always having a drive to to strive towards something and, I, and honestly I wouldn't be doing what I'm doing without um without the bible without god without um you know his direction for my life and so I encourage you know, our viewers out there definitely to, you know, seek, seek the voice of God, because that's the way that, that you can really discover your real purpose, because everyone has skills and gifts um, yes. that, that can be utilized for, um, for people that are in need. Um, and I, I um, also would uh, highly suggest if anyone has any interest in, in Care International and the work that we do, um, please, please, please visit our website. Um, we, I'm a part of the innovation team. And so if you're interested in making a donation, um, you can go to innovationhubatl.care.org and uh, you can find um, more information about the work that we're doing in Atlanta. Okay. Thank you very much. So we'll definitely drop that information. Uh, we'll have a link for you guys in the post. So look out for that and we'll drop the information below. Uh, Lauren, uh, we can't thank you enough for your time. Uh, we really appreciate you uh, sharing your story, sharing your purpose and your passion with us. Uh, we definitely know that our listeners gain from this experience, uh, especially the sense of community, relationship, your background in economics, and the understanding of how money plays a role uh, in cultures. Uh, so we, we definitely thank you for uh, your deep insight uh, and your time. So we hope you uh, enjoyed it. Uh, to, I was going to say something on the couch. We're actually digital here. <laughs> uh, but <laughs> your time with Emmanuel and I and the YGS family and, and financial therapy. So we, we deeply appreciate it. Uh, and we just want to say thank you as we, as we close out. Absolutely. Here. Thank you all. And uh, big, big fans of your, of your podcast and um, looking forward to just continuous collaboration. Indeed. Yeah. indeed. Shout out to, uh, to On The Rise group. Thank you all for... Hey, shout out to OTR <laughs> in, the get, in the building. In the building. Awesome. So, all right. Well, as we always say, uh, to those out there, to the resistance, wherever you are, wherever you may be listening, keep saving, keep striving. Uh, we'll see you guys soon.